Welcome to Conversations with Pussy. This is a podcast which holds liberating and empowering conversations about sexuality, pleasure and healing. We're focused on supporting all vagina owners to feel free and excited about having a loving and soulful relationship with their pussy. I'm your host, Grace Hazel. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Conversations with Pussy. Within this episode, I will be interviewing and having a really good chat with Zachi Brewster, who is an abortion doula. We'll be talking about Zachi's work as an abortion doula, sexuality after abortion. We look at abortion from an emotional, physical and political perspective. We talk about Zachi's personal experience with abortion, healing after having an abortion, abortion as an act of self-love, and also following your pleasure and embracing queerness. All right, so I'm going to put a time frame on this conversation. Zachi and I spoke back in December 2020. And since then, Zachi has released the offering which she was alluding to at the end of this podcast. And the offering I am referring to is Dupo Support. Dupo Support provides holistic support during and after abortions for her, him, them. I have added all of the information in the show notes. So... Please do get cosy, get comfy, make yourself a cup of tea and begin to give yourself some space so you can really soak up all of the wisdom that Zachi provides and shares within this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Zachi. I am beyond <laughs> excited to speak to you. I can feel my body buzzing for this conversation and I just want to express my gratitude for you taking the time out through the period between Christmas and New Year <laughs> to chat to me and um, Zachi and I were just catching up before I pressed record and I love how we've both kind of rolled in in very normal situations so um, <laughs> before we get started Zachi I'd, I'd love to invite you to, to tell the listeners where specifically you are right now and how you're dressed. <laughs> so I am um, currently in an Airbnb bed with just a t-shirt on um, no knickers, no pants, and feeling extremely comfortable and excited about this conversation with Grace. <laughs> Brilliant. So, celebrating you for having no knickers on because I feel like it really just sets the the standard for conversations with pussy um, conversations. Because let's have our pussy free, right? You've got to be comfortable, especially as you said in this like random period that you know, no one really knows what to do with between Christmas and New Year's. And you're just like, mm. well, at least I'm like, I feel like I'm only going to do stuff where I can be fully comfortable or fully myself. So what you see is what you get. And I think I said, yeah, what Beyonce said, like, I woke up like this and I literally did. So <laughs> here we go. More of that in life, in all aspects of life, even when it's not that, that weird period, I feel like 
yeah showing up exactly as who we are so thank you for doing that and um representing the beyonce brand (laughs) hashtag Uh, lesson from 2020 (laughs) what you see is what you get and if today is messy today is messy and we are here for it (laughs) i'm here for it too the next question, I don't normally ask people what they're wearing because it's a bit creepy, but the next <laughs> question after that one is what are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, her, um, <clears throat> and also they. Um, I feel I'm less, yeah, I'm getting more, less and less attached to, I'm feeling more me and less and less attached to any particular pronouns but yeah I've used she her so yeah brilliant thank you and this is the bit that gets really exciting for me and my heart and my womb does all sorts of flips around it (laughs) please tell well me but really the listeners what what it is that you do um so I think I'm a typical millennial in that I do many things what I do that I really really care about and um, have been growing for the past three years and will really focus on growing next year um, I'm an abortion doula Um, and for people that don't know so a doula was this person in society that supported people through transitions Um, so what that means for me is I support people through the transition transitional experience of what an abortion can be um, and through that I offer sensuous support which is a term I've learned recently from Mina Salami um, who has a wonderful book about um, black feminism um, <clears throat> which I would suggest everyone reads um, and that sensuous support is that link between um, emotional and intellectual knowledge and that you need both really in this world I think sometimes is sometimes you know in terms of the patriarchal society it's very intellectual knowledge and that's the only way that you can heal or move forwards in the world but we need to she makes the case and for me it's not a case for me it's a reality that you have to have both um so yes I support people through transitional periods mostly abortion but also miscarriages ectopic pregnancies um even sometimes fertility journeys as well with an approach that is um sensuous and also takes into an into account um decolonization ideas and reproductive justice Beautiful. Thank you so much. And I'd love to just ask the question just so we can make sure that the folks who want to read that book and what you were referring to, what, what book is that from? Um, I will give you the proper name because I'm bad, very bad with like song names, book names. Um, the author, uh, she's got a blog as well, um, is Mina Salami, M-I-N-N-A-S-A-L-A-M-I. I also can't spell that well um but that is that is her name um and I'm sure I will um ask Grace I'll send her a link as well um, we'll stick it in show notes basically yeah. yes you will be able to find it don't worry <laughs> and I love that um 
the thought and and what you just brought through the idea of that which is bringing both the almost the mind and the emotions together so um what i see a lot within the healing spaces and within doula spaces it, is it can be very very much like a spiritual emotional experience and i love that you bring in almost the science the mind aspect piece but also the emotional piece because i think that creates more digestibility for folks it creates more accessibility for folks um from what i understand if i've got that correct from your description definitely and it also you know since your support i brought in those two examples of the intellect and the emotional but intellect is also political intellect is also um you know the science behind it i do need you do need a background in terms of if if especially the physical side of abortion if someone comes to me and it's like i've been bleeding for this long i mean as a doula many people think it's just about talking and a lot of what i do is talking but especially for someone who has just had an abortion we talk about and i'm not a nutritionist but i always say to them go and get your blood checks from your gp check that you're not deficient in anything because that's a lot of blood loss and then take a multivitamin or yeah check your nutritional levels so there is that also the i guess that's that's the intellect side of it as well i'm obviously <laughs> by nature of what i do an activist I'm, I'm aware of the political situation i'm also aware of you know how abortion impacts someone physically but on the emotional side of physicality so this is also how i then got into um sexuality sensuality because then this side of things is also an area that's not explored and i think especially around abortion um there's a division between these two sides really come together um and i feel like i um and i also really dislike i don't dislike the word holistic but i feel that it's sometimes overused but i feel that i approach this from a holistic view of abortion in the sense that yes we do need to have the discussions that are political we do need to have the discussions about rights about access it's a shame that we're still having these discussions but this is where we are and hey you know if we've got to have them let's have them but there's also a side and this is also an aspect of why i do what i do because if the if we're only discussing one side of it who do we how can we talk about how our sexuality is affected after an abortion or where is their space to go? You know, we've got different groups around reproductive health care. So maybe someone's on struggling on their fertility journey um, or someone has had a miscarriage or, you know, someone has had an abortion that's, that they've chosen to have. Um, but there's all of these emotions after and then there's guilt. Like they're both so very connected. And a lot of what happens much of what happens after an abortion um, where people are feeling um, maybe depleted or disempowered is to do with the political so we have to have these conversations at the same time and if i am to support people in a way that i can help them also build a space for themselves in a way that allows them to feel empowered and to build their bricks of you know self-worth self-love also back up which sometimes crumbles um after an abortion i have to have this duality this 
you know, this multifaceted view and approach because they are one and the same thing. Um, and to negate that or to not see that, I think slows down conversation, slows down progress, slows us down in getting to the space where we want to be, where actually this is a sort of not non-discussion, but where there are more spaces for people to have and to share their stories and feel empowered by their stories and feel empowered by their decisions. Um, <clears throat> another thing dividing these two sides of, I guess, self and experience means that, especially around abortion, you know, we still have this narrative of good or bad abortion. I should also say that and I really always try to make this clear that abortion is healthcare. That actually we talk about choice a lot and sometimes choice does come into it, of course, but actually it's also there to save lives. And so you have people also feeling very disempowered from something that maybe they haven't chosen, but not even able to say, you know, I had an abortion. If, if there was for any other healthcare, healthcare experience or you know, you would say, oh, yeah, I had, you know, I had, maybe this is the wrong example, but I'm going to use it because my brain is where my brain is right now. But if, if something that, you know, was life-threatening or wasn't beneficial to you, you would say, yeah, I, I had that cancer removed. And you'd be able to, to voice that. Um, with abortion, you can't say either, what, like, you can't, you can't voice it. Whatever your experience was with your abortion, you can't voice it. Um, and I realized that for me this year in that, um, well, I've been doing this work for three years. It's only this year that I called my own experience an abortion. Um, and it is, I still don't really know what to call it because I had a mis miscarriage that then meant I had to have an abortion. So, oh, uh, a mis miscarriage is when, um, the fetus stops growing, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't, the tissue doesn't come out um itself so you need a medical intervention um and that's what happened to me so i had just missed miscarriage that then meant i had to have an abortion and even the bias of the doctor in not calling what i had an abortion meant that all of this time i'd been calling it a miscarriage which it is but it's both but that's also a bias in you know when maybe choice is not involved of telling people, you know, of sort of covering it with a miscarriage blanket. Um, we shouldn't have fear. We shouldn't even have healthcare professionals that, you know, through their own bias of, of you know, what is socially acceptable. We need to be able to call a spade a spade, basically. And that is also empowering. So I'm also learning all the time. I was like, oh my gosh, I've had an abortion. And I actually had not thought of that. And that's how deeply socialized we are to you know around this topic around this word um around this experience so yeah that's everything about being an abortion dealer you're you know slightly political slight activist um slightly talking sometimes talking about sexuality sometimes talking about vitamins sometimes talking about relationships sometimes talking about masturbation i talked about everything um with people about my own experience and also with people that I support. So yeah, 
It's a very long rambly answer, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't rambly at all. I was hanging on every single word you were saying, and I felt, I feel, I feel right now very refreshed by what you're bringing, and um, I feel like what you are describing feels. I, I say this word refreshing, perhaps because of the. Um, community and the circles that I tend to roll in because to actually bring this element of the political feels really empowering and important and I was I was just almost reflecting on my own experiences and um, of, of having abortion and realizing that actually we do hold um, so much stigma around that word or um, in in saying, hey, I've had an abortion. And I, I even find that when I am going into um, new relationships, let's say, for me to say that almost feels like I'm bringing up something that's to be ashamed of. Um, and I also get, I, I wanted to bring to, um, to the conversation just because it was coming into my mind as you were talking about that miss miscarriage that you had that wasn't called an abortion and that when you began to name it as an abortion it began to feel empowering for you and whilst this isn't to do with abortion I was reflecting on when I when I was quite young was sexually assaulted but I, I was always I always just said it was assaulted I didn't put the sexual part into it until years and years later when I was in a circle and we were talking about rape and people were talking about their experiences with rape and I could feel in my body this truth bubbling to the surface which was I was raped and in owning that, in saying, oh, this was my experience, it began to make so much sense of everything that I'd experienced from that moment up until that point. So being able to actively hold those terms, because I think rape also holds a lot of stigma around it, like don't say that word, don't admit to it, that, that, that's happened to you, it holds shame. And I also feel like this, this simil a similar kind of shame is almost held within um, saying I had an abortion. So I just wanted to, to bring that piece in and in a moment, I would love to start to talk more and more about the work you do and how actually specifically that works in with your clients. But first of all, and it feels a little bit like a, a sidestep, <laughs> I would love to ask, um, because we're conversations with pussy, what is the name that you call your genitals? <laughs> um, so I call my genitals COZ, so C-O-Z-Z. And I have lived in Italy for the most, well, on and off for the past 10 years. But um, yeah, and my partner, my boyfriend is Italian. Um, so this is, also comes from him. And a cotta is a muscle um, in Italian, like the muscle you eat, not like muscles in your body. Um, <laughs> so that's where that came from. And now we've shortened it to just cots. So it's C-O-Z-Z is my father's name. <laughs> what a gorgeous name. I love it when I speak to people who have really specific names. <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. And, and recording series two has brought out some amazing names and, and that feels very classy to me. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it's a classy cults. I can tell you that. <laughs> and... 
tell me what is the biggest thing that you and your cause or your genitals have been through in your life um I think just getting on in the sense that I didn't not get on with them but I didn't really think about them until I had my abortion miscarriage because after that I after that experience it was like I had no relationship with them at all for like a year I was not sexually engaged I couldn't touch myself it was it was such a weird again this is why we need to have these conversations but it was the first time that I really then had to think about my sexuality my genitals my womb because I hadn't just I hadn't paid them any mind at all I was like masturbating from like my teens my childhood so I was just like yeah it's fine I had a period every month and I was always regular um and it was like yeah this it, it was almost like it was almost like my hand like it's so normal for me that I don't have to think about it and then my abortion miscarriage happened <clears throat> and I was like whoa this has changed like this is not, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to engage with that part of my body. I don't even really care to. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't feeling anything at all. Um, and then to top it all off, I wasn't feeling anything, but the only person I wanted to um, have sex with was the person that I just ended this relationship with and been through this experience with. Um, which was even more emotionally damaging because it's like, why are you going back to a pain pot? Um, <laughs> so that I had to realize I had to get back on a journey of, okay, I have to re redefine this for me and not have, not link it painfully to my relationship, which then by that point was not a relationship with this other person. That can't be the only way I, it wasn't even pleasurable. It was just like, some sort of pain emotional pain pot way of feeling something although I wasn't feeling anything um so then me and Cods had to have like some conversations had to have some one-to-ones um to get back into our groove and now we're best friends again so it's great <laughs> I mean we're best friends we've been best friends for a while like this all happened seven seven years ago something like that but it took like a year and a half even maybe a bit more to be like whoa we're actually we're good again but it is the it's probably the first biggest experience that I've had where I'm like actually this is a relationship that needs to be curated it's not just a given um and this relationship can evolve and it can grow but it is a relationship it's like a relationship with myself um and I hadn't thought that I had to have a relationship with myself before um so yeah I think that's been our biggest and we're still on that journey I have to say like although I although I'm in a very good spot um with myself with my sexuality with my partner now I have a perspective of like this is an ongoing thing it's not like you arrive in a good spot and you're just there and that's it like there has with as with all relationships there's there has to be space for evolution there has to be space for change um 
there has to be space to also explore. So, yeah. I love that description around the relationship. And I often feel that there is this almost pressure on people to constantly feel a certain way, um, especially in my work, it would be around sexuality. So feeling turned on, switched on in pleasure. And it's always a relief when, when folks find out that that's not necessarily how it's always going to be. And that being in relationship to whether it be our genitals or our sexuality, which technically are linked, um, it's something that is ever evolving. And I like to think yeah. about it like being in partnership with my sexuality. So there are going to be some points in our relationship when we grow a little bit apart. But then when I notice that happening, there is a that's a prompt for me to say, well, what's happened here? Why is it that I've disconnected from you? And how can I bring us bring us back to a place of intimacy? And that might look differently from what it looked like for me two years ago. It's like it's a consistent evolving or it's in consistent evolution. And I really wanted to, to, to come back to, the, to your experience with, with the abortion that you had and to... Um, look at it and for me it's more more the sense of the aftercare that you received from that point and so I'll add a little bit of context into that in that when I've had abortions it was very much like you are taken through the step-by-step -step process of getting the physical act done and then once that's finished you are you know whether you're kept in the hospital or whether you've taken the the pill and then you're you're sent home that's ultimately it and then from there, you just go out into the world. And I remember when I was really, really young, um, one of my first abortions, or my first abortion, sorry, I was sat in the um, clinic after all of the women had gathered and had, not gathered, it wasn't a gathering of abortions, but you know what I mean, people had had abortions. So we were sat in the clinic and we were all kind of advised, you know, rest today, make sure that you rest um, because you're gonna be bleeding a lot. And I remember sat, being sat next to someone who said to me, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to go party and I'm going to go to the club. And I was like, I mean, I was young and I thought, wow, even at that place, I was like, wow, okay. That seems like a lot to do after such an experience. And I'm curious on, 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 on within your process with clients, but also your own process with yourself. What is it that you feel, um, can be really nourishing after such an experience to do? Um, so this is a very good question. Um, I'll start with my experience. I, and actually I think it's a very shared experience. I've seen it also with my clients that as you rightly said, <clears throat> people are told, oh, you're gonna breathe, you're going to breathe? breathe you're going to bleed um and then that will be it um and for some people that's it it's the physical bleeding that is tiring um getting your hormones back after and then actually it's it's plain sailing like it's it's fine after that for many people it's like this bleeding how long is the bleeding going to go on for because because everyone's slightly different there's also not really a you know there's not a fixed time. It's not like, for sure, it's not three days, but you know, some people bleed for weeks or have like bleed heavily um, and then spotting. Of course, if you're bleeding heavily um, and you're soaking through a night pad, uh, it's one 
night pad every two hours, then definitely seek medical help. But more than that, more than the bleeding, you're not given any tools. So you go and you're like, okay, I'm going to be fine. As you said, the person that was next to you was like, I'm going to go to the club. And you're like, okay, should I be feeling like that? And for many of us, actually, it is physically exhausting to lose that much blood. And then emotions hit. Um, and emotions hit because emotions do hit, but also because of the hormonal imbalance. Um, you've come from a state of being pregnant to non-pregnancy, and it is actually a postnatal state. Um, and it's not—it's never called that because you know we—you know—we're very precious about words. But you are in a postpartum period after an abortion, and so the same physical care for the birthing person. In theory, it would be lovely if we could also have that for people post-abortion. Um, because between your hormones, your emotion and the physical side of things, you will need to rest. Um, and it's, it's very difficult because, first of all, not many people know that you've had an abortion. Um, <clears throat> and even asking healthcare professionals what you should do for them, as you said, abortion is a one-point process. A successful abortion is one way you're not pregnant anymore. For me, a successful abortion is not one when you're not pregnant anymore. That's part of it. But the other part of it is that you are feeling um, physically, um, physically and emotionally in balance, empowered and at peace. Um, immediately after an abortion, what I would say is definitely rest. And I would remind people this can be trigger, triggering for some people but it is a postpartum state so that means um, if you can preparing meals ahead of time preparing nutritious meals making sure that you're taking a multivitamin or at least an iron supplement as well as vitamin so iron for blood loss um, and also calcium um, vitamin b's will help with your mood um, and also whole foods as well which will help balance your hormones after. Um, I would also say, if possible, do try and tell someone. And even if you can't tell someone, you can also say to people that this is just a very heavy period that you're having. And I know postpartum, post-abortion bleeds are not the same bleeds as heavy periods, but if you are, if if and there's not always a space to tell someone that you're having an abortion but you do need to tell someone something and are looking for care you can also say to someone i'm having a very heavy period right now um i just need please can you come and cook for me please can you come and take care of me um if that's all you need to do but please do tell someone make sure that someone's aware in terms of self-care i didn't realize i needed to take care of myself I didn't even realize I was depressed until like four or five months after. I think I spent, um, I moved back home and I spent like three months in bed after mine. And I didn't realize I was depressed at all. Um, but I also see having worked with people either from pre-abortion to an abortion to post-abortion and also started working with people like four um, five, even 10 years after their abortion, needs are very different. Um, and so what I would say immediately, it's your physical, get your physical back on track. Um, and then 
at the same time focus on emotional um for some people that can be you know journaling speaking to someone counseling therapy um something i start all of my sessions with and whatever point we're at you're at um in your journey is breathing when your body feels like it's going it's firing on so many different points physically emotionally mentally hormonally coming back to your breath can be the most grounding and empowering thing you can do for yourself because it's something that happens it's something sorry it's something that you do naturally but being aware of it and feeling observing it and also feeling in control of it can calm your nervous system and help you feel in touch with yourself so i'd say breathing at whatever point you're at physically taking care of yourself immediately after um and also the social side of support is necessary so whether it's with an abortion dealer therapist speaking to someone journaling journaling and burning the journal writing letters and burning the letters writing letters and burying them yeah pinning them all together beautiful and thank you it was funny earlier when you were like so obviously after the abortion you'll be breathing (laughs) (laughs) actually i meant bleeding but actually i really love how you've woven the the breath piece in there because there's something for me in in that is so simple about connecting with our breath and i mean it has got me through, I know we're breathing all the time, but consciously breathing has got me through so many sticky situations. And sometimes just elongating the breath and and expanding it in our body can allow us to connect to the emotional piece. Because I think that sometimes because of that, the practicality of of an abortion can be so much like, it's almost like a big rush. And and, and I can only speak for myself um, and from folks that I know who have had them, but it almost feels like a quite a big rush to get to the finish line of the abortion, that it's very much up in the head. You're trying to make the decision if, if you are choosing to have the abortion, that is. And then, it, and then it's like the whole process. So actually remembering to breathe and connect back into your body, which has technically been through quite a big thing. Um, and I sometimes think about the fact that actually our body's gone into pregnancy mode. It's gone into, into to focusing on, on, on creating new life. And so actually it's, it's quite big for the body to then have a, a sudden break in that and have to recalibrate, whether that be just hormonally, but, but everything else in between. So remembering to breathe and to connect to the vessel that we're literally living in seems like such a, a beautiful thing to do and a, a really responsible thing for you to do so that you can come back home to yourself. And I found something that you said um, a little bit earlier um, in what you last shared interesting around sometimes you'll work with people who actually come to you not just after the period of abortion or just before, but about five or 10 years onwards. And I would love to speak to that because we're doing the work that I've, I've done. Often what I'll find is I'm, I'm working with somebody who has got a presenting issue in their sexuality perhaps they've lost their libido whatever it is I won't make up a specific here um but then when we start to look into things and we start to pinpoint well where did that begin sometimes that can link back to when there has been baby loss and there's often something around an unprocessed baby loss 
in many ways that can link into what we're experiencing later on in regards to our relationship to our body or our sex or our partner. So I'm wondering if you could speak a bit about that, um, about that, that, that time period and how it can still impact us later on in the life, in our life, I should say. Yeah. Um, everything's connected. Even if you think it's not, it is because everything that you've gone through is in one form of another, one form or another, part of who you are today. Um, and so how that appears for me, and people choose to come four or five, eight years after for many different reasons. For some, it's like I'm at a moment in my life actually where I didn't have the headspace there was a lot going on I didn't even think there was someone I could go to for some people it's like I didn't know that there was anyone that could talk to me about this um for other people it's like actually there's been a rut in my sexuality since that and I actually didn't link it to that but looking back this was when this started um for some people it's also as you said either trying to conceive or fertility or um having uh another abortion now that then they realize is actually bringing up things from previous abortions um there's many different different reasons why people um yes do come to me at this stage a lot i i feel like a lot is about having the space to speak about it because i something i always ask um in sort of like my intake questions I guess for clients is have you have you spoken to anyone about this before so have you had um, therapy or counseling and a lot of people have but this goes back to the central support of what I was saying before that if the support is only intellectual and actually takes no account of the emotional although someone may have you know tried to um, and done all they can on their part to address um, their feelings or even um, physical physical the physical side of things post-abortion when it first happened or close to when it first happened to be able to engage all of these things and having the space to do that is actually for many people the trigger to reach out to me they're like okay I feel that maybe you of everyone I've spoken to can maybe hold this space um, and it's not because I'm special or anything it's about making sure that people know that their experience is not is not you can't put the experience in categories everything that they've experienced and everything that they're thinking and feeling and you know experiencing is part of one and the same um so I'm also this is a sort of semi diversion here um but I've also piloted um an abortion doula training um, which I will be launching in February because I think that there needs to be I don't do this because I'm special I do this because I I felt the need for myself to have someone but I I'm also invested in making sure that there are other people out there um, because we will all do it slightly differently but we're all very much needed <laughs> um, because although also some clinics offer um, counseling after counseling is very focused sometimes around grief um so it's more like oh um grief of the loss of a baby or a future or and actually for some people the grief is the loss of themselves for many people the, the grief is the loss of themselves and if if 
the support that's offered cannot even address that or take note of that. There's a huge gap in what we were discussing before about the abortion journey. The abortion journey doesn't stop once you're not pregnant. Like the journey continues for as long as it takes for it to be a sort of, I need to find a new word for this, a sort of like non-issue in your life. An experience that wasn't empowering, an experience that doesn't weigh you down and doesn't um, inhibit you living your best life. You wanting to experience you feeling brave you feeling love for yourself you feeling enamored with yourself and proud of yourself and something I also say to people is that abortion is one of the most negated and ignored acts of self-love that someone can do for themselves and for many people although that is when it is a choice issue when that is the right decision for them the doubt comes in from society the doubt is not the doubt in yourself and so i'm also working with people to actually okay you're feeling all of this but like what is actually yours what are the emotions what are the experiences what in all of this are things for you to take responsibility of of and what are actually things that other people have put on you that are not your responsibility because that can also be muddled um sometimes people are like oh, i feel this um and it's not to negate that they feel it it's also to help people understand where the roots of this emotion the guilt where's the guilt from okay the guilt i remember my mum. so also i also ask people where did you first learn about abortion i remember my mum commenting on like eastenders or something or something and saying like oh my gosh what an awful decision that person made and although it was like a throwaway comment that you heard when you were 12, it's impacted how you feel about yourself at like 20 something, 30 years old, having an abortion. Because that was a, like a three second comment that your mum made and your guilt is from a comment that your mum made in thinking that she will never accept you because you've had an abortion. And so you're carrying that. And so getting down to that, and then it's like, well, do you truly believe that? No, I don't believe that. Okay. So is it your mum's opinion or is it how you, your opinion of yourself? No, it's, I don't feel that about myself. I'm just, okay, leave that for your mum. That's not yours to carry. We already carry enough. So we also have to like pick and go through and look at if what we're carrying is truly ours because we carry a lot that is not ours. Um, I actually can't remember what you asked me, and this is very rambly. <laughs> Again, the answer, but yeah, it, it, this is also, the work I do is quite rambly. It's slightly different for everyone. It's slightly different the reasons they come to me. Come to me. Uh, but I do see trends, and that's one of them. And actually, we're also not taught this because we're socialized to all think the same way and all feel stigma about and shame around abortion and our sexuality. And so these are conversations that we don't really have. So we also take on everyone else's thoughts and feelings around sexuality and how we should be and what is right and what is wrong. And it causes a lot more damage. So having spaces to even pick these apart and be like, actually, no, if I really think about it, I don't really believe that. And I'm not saying it's like, <laughs> like a two second thing. There's also other things. I also believe that when you remove something, fill it up with love or fill it. So it's this process of sort of excavating or 
you know, digging into an abortion experience that often starts before an abortion. Another thing I do is I always ask people in our first session and even before we talk to tell me their story. And I remind them that actually your story can start from before your abortion. And for many people it does. And the story ends way after and it's like, my relationship changed, my this changed, this was happening at the same time, um, I changed jobs, I, I realized things about myself. Abortions are also experiences that can bring sometimes truths to the surface that deep down maybe you knew were true, but you know, there, there wasn't space, there wasn't that moment in your life where you had to address it. And that, that's what happened to me as well. I didn't think about my sexuality necessarily before. I didn't think about um, myself. I just assumed a lot of things about myself and assumed things would be this way and assumed even like that this is how I like sex and assumed that, um, yeah, I just assumed that, you know, I wouldn't have to think about myself. And that's also what society, this Euro-patriarchal society puts on us, is actually don't think about yourself. If you think about yourself too much, you will, you know, discover things that make you special and you will fall in love with yourself and you will feel powerful and feel empowered. And society doesn't really want us to do that. So for me, um, yeah, you asked what the biggest thing that my genitals have been through and the most empowering experience I've been through. I didn't think this initially, but I truly believe this now was my like abortion because I had to think about myself. And that's also the space I try and hold is a space where people can think about themselves and find themselves and discover truths about themselves. Oh, I am taking big <laughs> over here and and for those who were who were listening you can't see me but I've been throwing my hands up in the air and just being like yes 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 to basically everything that you just said that you so frankly my goodness and there's so much resonating in this and I feel like whoever's listening especially folks who have been through an abortion or even if that's something it's not an abortion or it's something else that they've held shame around in life to really um take that perspective as that these things can be incredible initiations into who we are becoming and um i know my friend won't mind me saying this because she shared a lot about her abortion um more recently and she's a writer so she wrote about it um but we were having conversations during the process of her having an abortion and, and I could just feel, and she was actively feeling how something really, really core and deep was coming alive in her through the process of having an abortion. And since then she, she said, like, it's like I have tasted life and experienced life in this brand new way that I didn't know was possible. And now I feel like a different human being. And for yeah. her, she's taken that as a empowering experience, an experience that's changed her life and shaped her in a way that will never um, allow her to go back to who she was before. And that's exciting for her. So thank you for bringing that flavor because it's, I can feel it in my body. It's just a sense of spaciousness. It's a sense of choice in that, in, in what we choose to make that experience to be. Um, yeah. One thing I would say very, very, very quickly, because I know um, is that 
there's a lot we're talking a lot about self-care and there is there is a huge aspect of that but a lot of in all in many of these especially shame and stigma filled um, aspects of life there is a lot to be said for community care um and so yeah we i just want to put that out there that i'm not putting it on people to feel all of this by themselves it is also a role society and community and having these spaces um, and these connections and relationships with people also has a lot to do with how we feel and how we move through we're not solitary beings um so i just want to make that clear not putting everything on singular the individual we have to be there also for each other thank you for that and that's i think that is a real beautiful piece to really hold as well because i was even just thinking as you as you shared that how my friend had all of her friends around her including myself talking to her speaking with her taking her through the experience while she as a being had to go through that herself with her body there was community around her and i'm sure that had she done that in a in a different way as many people do it, it, it could have been a much different experience so thank you so much for bringing that part um so last question for you it's like i don't ever want to end because it's <laughs> so rich and full of um such a, a beautiful flavor which actually i think is is so it's almost i want to say that it's almost so different from the the ways that i usually look at things and so it's been such an amazing um way of receiving such a, a deeply grounded but also emotionally supportive approach to abortion so i just really want to celebrate you again because i knew that this was going to be really enlightening <laughs> um so last question for you before the last last question which is basically <laughs> can find you but last last question is if you could tell your younger self something about sex that you know now that you didn't know back then what would that be Oh, there are many things I would tell my younger self. Um, oh my gosh, I literally cannot pick. <laughs> I wouldn't tell myself like you're doing it all wrong. But what I would say to my younger self is do what you feel, what you truly feel. Um, and what you truly feel is also your truth. Um, because especially so i'm a i'm a queer black woman um and i i've always known i was queer but then i got like a heteronormative sort of teenagehood and so you know your truth um i will say it's not always easy to live your truth but still hold it don't negate it um don't deny it and trust that that will be that is where you will find your pleasure um yeah trust that you know what pleasure is for you and that in trusting that you will be on a journey um of reiterating what pleasure means for you but yeah trust yourself you know more than porn you know more than shitty boyfriends you know a hundred times more like 10 times more so much more what pleasure is for you trust yourself i would say trust trust yourself yeah yum thank you so much and also thank you also for bringing in the queer element and i think so we've had quite a lot of conversations on this series about um 
having quite a heteronormative well I think we're in a very cis normative heteronormative society so actually I can resonate in that when I was a teenager I was just very much like oh okay so I best be this way and there's been lots of um you know, throughout my teenage years, being very, very aware that I was attracted to women as well as men, but almost being like, well, okay, not there, not there, can't do that. And so I love that, that focus or that, that piece of following your pleasure, listening to what switches you on, what, what turns you on, what brings you joy and pleasure and, and following that hit, because that's going to always allow you to become more and more aligned with what it is that yeah. you love and what you, what you enjoy. So thank you for that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> last thing to say is where can people find you? And you mentioned the, um, the doula training, the abortion doula training that you are um, creating and releasing next year, basically just, all of the things, where people can find you, what you offer, um, please tell us. So I currently offer um, one-to-one support. Um, next year, my format will change slightly because I am going to focus on this more days a week. Yay. I sort of quit my job in December and was like, this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. Um, so this will evolve. Um, but for now, just follow me on Instagram. My website's almost there. Illustrator sent me some more drafts this morning. So I'm like, oh, it's almost, it's almost coming to light. For now, follow me on Instagram at Zaz, Z-A-Z dot brew, B-R-W. Um, and you'll find all the updates there. My website will be coming. This course is coming. All the materials are done, set. Um, so yes, follow me on Instagram for both dealer, abortion dealer training as well as abortion dealer support. Um, I will say I have taken a break the past few months because I am just, I just need a break um, and I'm managing my personal self right now. Um, but from January, I will be more active, more updates um, and I'm more than, I do, I also will say I do have space to support a few more people from January, um, but all of that information will be up on instagram and soon my website so yes follow me there for updates thank you for tuning in for this episode of conversations with pussy if you enjoyed this episode please do leave a rating and review as always please share this information far and wide if you have friends if you have family members if there are random people on the street that you wish to share this with please do also it is always so much appreciated if you share this podcast on your social media and tag in me and you can find me on instagram which is grace underscore 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 that's three underscores hazel that's grace underscore 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 hazel i have provided all of zachi's details in the show notes for this podcast so i encourage you if you are inspired to work further with zachi that you contact her through the show notes Anyways, I hope you have a beautiful day and we will connect soon.